My name is Andy Gerlach, and um, my wife Jennifer and our two kids, they had to leave for a second, for a little bit, hanging out downstairs. But uh, tonight, today, 11 years ago, we got married. And, you know, yeah. Hooray for marriage. Um, our anniversary's coming up, and we're looking at the dates, and we're like, September 2nd, what should we do? Tanner's like, you know, maybe you could push Cross Life off a week. I was like, no, that's exactly what we're going to do for our anniversary. So here we are. <laughs> no, we're glad to be here. We're, we're so excited to, uh, to consider the life of Christ and to consider my life and to see if, it, if I'm a Christian, if it is matching up with who I say that I am. Um, how many... Um, MSU students are here. If you're an MSU student, raise your hand. All right, good. Put your hands down. Um, uh, I'm a Montana Bible College student, which is here at the church. And then I have to take generals. If you're an MBC student, put your hand up. <laughs> put your hands down. Um, so I, had to t- I have to take some generals. So I'm over to MSU. And I have to take uh, 12 credits this semester, 12 credits next semester. And uh, it's, it's been good. It's been really good to be over there and, and studying with, the, with the, the MSU students and sitting in the classes and with the professors and walking around campus. Um, this past spring, I think it was a sermon that prompted me to start praying that the Lord would open my eyes up to my culture so that... Um, I wouldn't just kind of blindly walk through life and uh, all of a sudden one day realize that I'm exactly like everybody else in my culture, a product of my culture. And so I'm, I'm praying that the Lord would, would show me, like help me to, to, to truly see and not just to be a follower. So in his sovereignty, I'm at MSU. One of the classes I'm taking is sociology, study of our culture. And I'm sitting in the class, and I'm thinking, this is exactly what I needed to hear. I needed to hear, what is that class? It's the study of why I do what I do. The study of my culture, why it does the things it does from the world's perspective. It's so interesting, sitting in there. And uh, so... I want to praise the Lord for that answer to prayer. Because as a Christian, you know, I think we should strongly consider the world that we live in and consider our own lives and consider, if we call ourselves a Christian, what that means. Because we are called to be in this culture, but we're, but we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. So many times we're in, we're in that study and we look exactly like everybody else. And that just shouldn't be. Um, Titus 2.14 says, uh, and you, you know what, I'm just going to rattle off a couple verses. You don't have to turn there right away. If you want to, you can. Titus 2.14 says, speaking of Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, 
zealous for good works. You see, what makes us different, one of the things that makes us different is that God's people are zealous for good works. He, he set, set Christians apart. It's a culture within a culture that follows Christ. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. A Christian should walk in the light as he is in the light. A Christian should be zealous for good works. What determines a good work? God, who is good, determines what is good. So the way that I live, can, can I live before God and be totally unashamed? It is, Lord, are my words before you, am I ashamed of what I'm saying during the day? Are they light words, or are they like everybody else? That's good to consider. As I get up in what I'm, what I'm wearing, Lord, before you, am I living in the light? Am I walking according to you? Or am I looking like everybody else? Lord, the things that I want to do with my life, do I want them because that's what you want? Because you are light and I'm supposed to be defined as you are? Lord, before you, do you love what I'm doing? Or do I do what I do because of a sociological study? And that's what everybody does. Because my history has made me this way. My culture has made me this way. That's a good question to ask. Why do I do what I do? Um, which culture does your life re- resemble? What are you most comfortable with? One of the things that I'm, I'm realizing, I'm sitting in like psychology and sociology, and even my writing class is challenging because the, the teacher, um, she's right up front with us. She's like, look, I swear... And we didn't do that at NBC. So that's a little awkward. But you know what? Um, one of the things I'm being challenged with is uh, the things that the world thinks is funny, I don't find them funny. Like when, when the, the teacher and the teachers, are, they really try to work you. Like I'm going to say something that's going to make the class laugh. A lot of times I don't find them funny. And it's not because, like, I'm holier than thou. It's because Christ has made a new creation. He's called a dead man to life. And the things that are light, that are holy, that if God thinks it's funny, that's what I want to think is funny. If God says, man, that is, that's shameful. I shouldn't laugh at that. I don't even want to laugh at that. It, like, I, I'm not comfortable with my surroundings. You're sitting in a class and um, you have this pressure of all these people that you don't know and the teacher raises or a student raises some subject and, you're, and you know what that's like and you're just like, wow, this, if they knew what I was thinking right now 
Or, or maybe you don't feel that way. Maybe you're just totally on track with everybody else. But in my heart, man, I feel it. Should I raise my hand? No. You know that feeling? When I'm walking around school, um, the, pe- the things people are wearing, the things people are talking about, are you comfortable with that? Is that just normal to you? Like the world tells you ladies what's pretty. They say dress this way. And the rest of the world confirms you. And as I'm growing in the Lord, I don't find that pretty anymore. I start to, I start to see a girl, and she's wearing something, and, and instead I'm just like, man, I, I, I feel bad for her. Why? Because I know what's going to happen. A couple years from now, the world says, dress this way, dress this way. And they, they, the world says, this is pretty. And then the world takes you, and it kind of crumples you up and it uses you, and you're not pretty. You see, who, who decides what beauty is? Can you stand before the Lord and say, Lord, am I beautiful to you? What's beautiful to the Lord? Or are you standing before your culture and saying, am I beautiful to you? Because culture will use you. Guys, and what, what makes you a man? That's a good question. Can you stand before the Lord and say, I, Lord, I'm your man? Because the world, the world tells you what a man looks like. The world says that men can drink a lot. Men can, can use people. Men have big muscles. Men have this. They, they're, go, they're very um, strong, maybe. Maybe not. What determines? Is it your culture that's telling you what a man is? Or can you stand before God and say, before God, God is affirming me as a man? That's a good question. Who, who are you, whose standard do you live by? Um, one of the verses that I'd like you to kind of meditate on is uh, Luke 6.26. And this is the verse that hit me this past week. And Jesus is talking to some people and he says, just, just listen for a second. Don't turn there. It's only a sentence. Woe to you when men speak well of you. Hmm. For so did their fathers of the false prophets. Shame on you, Jesus says, if you are seeking man's approval. If your audience that you're dressing for and you do what you do is men. You're fearing men more than you fear God. Jesus said, shame on you. Woe to you if, you if men speak well of you. Man, that verse has been, man, that is just echoing in my head because my flesh wants that so bad. Isn't that what we strive for, for men to speak well of us? I mean, in other words, why do you all look? So similar. Why do we say similar things and similar? St- we, want, we want approval. How far will you compromise to get that approval? 
Woe to you when men speak well of you. That verse is really rung in my head this week. Um, turn to 1 John 2.6 for real. We're just going to kind of tap into our study this Friday, and then next week we're going we're gonna to get into it. But I'd like this verse, I think you're going to subconsciously, I learned that in psychology, you're gonna, <laughs> subliminally, you're going to memorize this verse, because this verse is going to be the platform that our whole study jumps off of. He who says he abides in him ought also to walk as he walked. That song we just sang, Hallelujah, all I have is Jesus. Is that what it was? What's that? All I have is Christ. We sing that. This verse is going to challenge us. He who says he abides in him ought to also walk as he walked. He who says, the one claiming Christian, it says he abides in Christ. What does that mean, to abide in Christ? The word abide, has it gets its roots in the Hebrew to be at home, to dwell, to be comfortable, to be familiar. I was watching, I watched my first Cats football game last night on TV, and uh, I was uh, looking at the stadium of all the red, the opposite team, and then you could see like our guys in the center, they were just really outnumbered by just the opposed, that, that feeling of you're not at home, and uh, and I, I was a wrestler in school, and so I remember what it was like to have home games, and you're laying on your mat. So I can't really speak from a football experience what it's like to be in your home stadium. Is, is there a difference, Tanner? Like when you're in your stadium, you're like, this is my mat. I, carry, I picked this mat up. I carried it into the gym. I helped enroll. I sweated on this mat for practice every day. I'm at home here. Another illustration I can think of is I went home um, to where I'm from in Maryland. I grew up on a camp. And a lot of woods, 500 and some acres of woods and hills, and you can get twisted and turned around. And uh, on the other side of this huge property is the camp, and on this side is where we lived. And our plane got in. I got to my house at 4 in the morning, and it was still dark. And uh, I laid in bed. My parents have roosters, and they started crowing, and I hadn't slept in over 24 hours. So I'm, I got up. It was dark, and I'm like, I'm going to go run to camp. So I was running through the woods, and it, the, the sun hadn't come up yet, and I didn't even need to see the trails, like all the horse trails. I have ridden them since I was three years old. I am so at home in those woods. I bet you that you could put me anywhere in that property, blindfold me, take off the blindfold, I can tell you exactly where you were or where I was. <laughs> I'm at home. You know that feeling? I'm sure you, you all have that. Like right now you have the dorm life. Soon it'll feel kind of homey. 
But it ain't like going home to mom's cooking. You're home. Are you at home in Christ? Do you abide in Christ? He who says he is at home, he abides in Christ. Is that you? Then you ought to walk also in him, uh, ought also to walk as he walked. The word ought, not a suggestion. Like I ought to stay, go to bed, but... I think I'll stay up and watch a movie. Or I ought to get up early and have my devotions, but I think I'll sleep in. The word ought means bought. It's a a financial term. You owe. What are you talking about, you owe? First Peter says, for you were bought. Your salvation, your soul as a Christian, was bought with precious blood. And a, a lot of you probably resist that. What do you mean I was bought? Here's the truth. You're already owned. You see, your master is either your sin nature, which you were born with. David says, in sin I was conceived. I was born in sin. Sin is the master. And Christ, with precious blood, 1 Peter says, bought you out of that. Who's your master? Who owns you? You ought, because you were bought, to walk as Christ walked. Um, My question is, is how are you walking? And a lot of you, you know, sometimes, I know it's different. And we think, well, I'm a Christian, but what does it mean to walk as Christ walked? Like the video said, what does it mean tonight, big party night? What's it mean then? What's it mean Saturday? What's it mean Monday on vacation? What's it mean Tuesday when you're back to school? You know what it means Sunday when you go to church. But what's it mean all those other times that we, we, we divide up and we say, here I'm a Christian, and here I'm a student, and here I'm a boyfriend, and here I'm an employee. You see, as a Christian, you ought to walk as Christ walked. And I think as a lot of Christians, we don't even know how Christ walked. We look at the gospel like mashed potatoes. We know that, we know that he got baptized, but could you tell me when? We know that he turned water to wine, but do you know when that happened? You know that he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. When was that and why did he say that? Because that's him walking. And if you're, if you claim to be at home in him, you should know that because that's how you should be walking. How did Christ interact with women? How did Christ interact with people who hated him? If you claim to be at home in him, then you should be walking the same way. That's our study. Our study is going to be looking at the life of Christ. That's how I should walk. Following his foot. Are you staying in stride with him or are you staying in stride with the culture? Um couple thoughts. I was, uh, before, while we close, I was studying the Gospels and I was looking at Christ and his call to follow me. That's a good word study. Just pull up follow me and see what Jesus says. And uh, I named one Nick at night, Nicodemus, met Jesus at night. 
and I try to like make things that will snap so I remember them. And uh, Jesus said to, to this, this fellow, you know, you, you need to sell everything you have and follow me in um, Matthew nineteen twenty one, the rich young ruler. And he said, uh, he turned away because he had great possessions. You know, I wonder if Christ is calling to you, follow me. See, now you have, now you have a choice. Because when Christ calls to you, he says, I, I, I want, I've bought you and I want it all. And the rich young ruler looked at what he had, and he was in the same boat that you are because you're all stinking rich. We are all so rich. We drove here in cars. If we drove here in a bike, you're rich. There's nobody here starving. You have so much of this world. Would you be able to lay that aside? To lay all those things that you like, that you've attained, and say, you know what, for Christ, I could let that burn. Here's the trick it's going to burn, anyways. The rich young ruler couldn't. Jesus said to another man, Peter, follow me. Peter had just gotten a big loot of fish. That's a lot of money. Drops it, and he follows Christ. Three years later, Christ dies. A little while later, Peter's still following. Peter was crucified upside down. Man, that's... that's it. Like, if you doubt the gospel... Look at the men in the story and see how they died. Because I would not choose to die that way if I had the choice. Look at their lives. It's incredible. All they could have said is, "Ah, just kidding, joke. Peter's like, now crucify me upside down. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says, follow me. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it a man to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? See, when Jesus says, I want you to follow me, you walk like I'm walking. You're following, take, don't take lightly that you're following a man who was crucified when he was 33. Like it, he calls you to take up your cross and follow me. He doesn't say, you can have it your way and, and my way. It, that's intense. Don't take that lightly. Christ will call, call you to make sacrifices too. 1 Timothy 3.12 says, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And you know, I threw this in the last one. Revelations 2.4, speaking to the church of the Ephesians, that once Paul was preaching at, and then Timothy And then in Revelations, Jesus says to this church, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You're not following your first love. 
You started out. He goes on. He says, I, I like that you hate the, the, these deeds, but you have left your first love. To some of you tonight, he's calling you for the first time, follow me. To some of you, he will call you to sacrifice. And to some of you, he is calling you back. You, you've left your first love. Do you realize that you've left the abundant life? And then, um, just in, in close, what we're going to do this, uh, this semester is we're going to start at the beginning of the Gospels, and we are going to watch how this man, Jesus Christ, God's Son, walked across this earth. And, we're not, and our goal is to align our steps with His. Um, I'm going to ask Tanner to come up. Tanner's going to, to share his testimony, to talk about his walk. And uh, Tanner, will, if you'll close it then after you're done, man. Thanks, Andy, for that. Um, Nick at night. <laughs> no, I look forward to that. We look forward to that. And uh, thanks for introducing that, Andy. Um, what's the worst thing about being hurt or, or getting operations? You've got to explain to everybody what happened. Um, it's really not that big of a deal. What I did was I got surgery the other day. Um, and I'm going to be in this sling for a little while, but it's not a big deal. I got it Tuesday, and I'm already healing up pretty good. Praise the Lord. Um, faster than I expected. It's going good, and I appreciate you guys' concern. But just so at the front, you guys all know what happened. Um, what's the best part about it? Um, I can be a loose cannon tonight. Boy, I got, I'm on painkillers, and so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> and I cannot get in trouble. That's not, that's not true at all, but... <laughs> You don't get asked to talk very many times when I, yeah, can you guys hear me okay, yeah. voice? You don't get asked to talk very many times when you're, uh, when you're still on painkillers, and so I appreciate that, and I'm probably going to take advantage of it a little bit. Um, I really desire that uh, Andy and, and I, we decided that tonight would be a good night to share my testimony. Lots of you guys don't know me very good, and it'd be a good chance for some of you guys to get to know me. Um, you don't know what you're getting into. You don't know who I am. Some of you know me from Bible College, some of you know me from MSU. I just take a couple classes up at MSU there. Um, but I hesitate always when I share my testimony because it's difficult for me because I always feel like when I think testimony, I think Tanner. And believe it or not, I really don't like talking about myself. You might think I do. It might appear like I do, but I, I don't. And So testimonies are hard for me, and so I really desire that tonight would be about Christ. It would be the testimony of Christ and not Tanner. Um, so hopefully that will come across, even if, even if that's not what I say. Hopefully that will come across. You'll get that out of it. Um, before I do that, let's pray. Father, I just know as I set up here, as I stand up here time and time again, Lord, whenever I do this, I am terribly insufficient for these things, Lord. Um, I fear man way too much. Father, not you enough. Lord, I just see that that I tremble under man and not you. Father, I pray that you would remove that fear of man, Lord, and I would learn to respect and fear you alone. God, I know I'm insufficient from these things. So would you help me? Father, would you strengthen me at this time? God, would you give me an abundance of your spirit? Would this be the testimony of your son and his work in me? Lord, would I get out of the way? Father, I pray that I would, and I pray that as your scriptures read and as thoughts are passed out, 
Lord, as these people take them and leave them, God, that they'd take what's good, they'd take what's from you, and they'd run with it. God, and if it's not from you, and if it's from me, and if it's from my flesh, Lord, would you throw it away? God, would you get rid of it? I desire, Father, that this time would be worship to you. God, that we would honor you through um, what you've done in my life and what you're still doing today. I need you now at this time, God, and I, I pray that you would help me. God, I pray that you'd assist me. More of you and less of me. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, what do you think when you, when you hear testimony? What's the first thing I'm going to say? I grew up in, right? And that's okay, but I'd rather do it a little bit differently tonight. Um, I'm going to start with where I am now, because that's relevant for me, and it's relevant for you. Um, I just started working here at Grace about four weeks ago. It's only my fourth week of work, uh, maybe fifth week of work. Um, but God doesn't work in time. He doesn't, I don't believe he thinks in time like we do. I think chronologically through my life. I think chronologically through your life. So I think I grew up here. I did this. I did that. But I want you to be able to see God's hand through my life, not just in that sort of fashion. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But just for the sake of tonight, I want to do it a little bit different. I don't think God's constrained like time by time like we are. Um, boy, I'm blessed right now. And I know we throw that term around a lot, but I am blessed. I got some incredible roommates. Um, I had a guy who took care of me the last couple of days when I got my surgery and his family. I'm blessed for that. I'm blessed to work with Andy. Such a great, great guy to work around and work with. Uh, I'm blessed to be here with you tonight. I count this a true privilege. One of the things I love about teaching so much is that, uh, boy, I just see that I got nothing. I mean, I got nothing. And, uh, and so when I stand up here, it really makes me rely on Christ more than any other time. Um, I didn't always feel blessed like this. I always was blessed, and I think, in a way, but I didn't always feel blessed like this. So look back a little bit more. Let's look back to where some of you guys are right now. I graduated from MSU last May after five awesome years there, five wonderful years and many great friends. Some of you guys are out there. Many late nights, many unforgettable memories, many times that I, I just don't plan on ever forgetting. They were some of the best years of my life so far. But let me go back to where even farther to where some of you guys are tonight. Uh, flashback two more years, my fourth year of college. I'm struggling and laboring through school, football, ministry, Bible studies. I was, I was strung out, and I was spread out Boy, I was spent. I was wondering, am I going to get through college? Am I going to get through football? Am I going to be able to do this? And am I going to be able to honor the Lord as I do it? Because I'm just strung out. I'm just tired. I'm stretched thin and dry. I love life and I love the Lord, but I'm just, I'm spent. I'm overwhelmed with school. I'm wondering if I'm going to stay awake in class and in life. And yet in all that, I was rooted in the hope of Christ in my life. I was rooted in Christ and Him crucified in my life. So it was a difficult time. It was a, a thin time in my life, if you know what I mean. I, feel, I felt spread out, but it was, I was rooted in Christ. And my joy was central in him, but it wasn't always like that. So go back two more years. And I'm where some of you guys are tonight. Some more of you guys are tonight. Um, in the middle of my sophomore year, I was beginning to be confronted with the truths of Scripture. I wasn't as sure of my eternity as I thought I'd always had been growing up. Not at all, in fact. I'd begun to take Paul seriously as he encouraged in 2 Timothy 13 Five, test yourselves, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Christ Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? Those words were ringing through my head, and I was going, do I even really know Christ? 
I mean, do I really know Christ? And I was. I was testing myself and examining myself in light of Scripture. I believed what the Bible said, but was my life evidence of that? Did I really trust in Christ alone? Did I trust in my background? Did I trust in my school? Did I trust in my church? Was I walking as Christ's life? Was there evidence in my life to even suggest that what I professed was really real? I clung tightly to a childhood profession of my faith that didn't seem to hold much weight in light of college and what I was learning in Scripture. I began to question my faith. Was I really saved? Did Christ really demand all of me? If you step back a little bit more, I think you'll see where these questions came from. Go back two more years. Flash back another year. Or excuse me, just one more year, and you'll go right to where some of you guys are tonight. Right to where some of you guys are tonight, my freshman year at MSU. I wasn't even moved in the dorms yet in North Hedges before I went to a party and got so passed out drunk I couldn't even find my way back to the dorms. I finished a bottle of vodka and I got dropped off in the parking lot and I was lost. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what I was doing. You think that's not that bizarre, that's not that unusual. Well, it is if you know my background. It is if you know where I came from, but we haven't gotten there yet. But you can see this started a pattern of sin in my life that very first night. I kicked things off just wrong, and I thought I was kicking things off just right. I was too hashed, too blasted even to find my way back to the dorms. Thus, Saturday nights blended into those Sunday mornings. I was still going to church. I was. But most of the time, I was too hungover and drowsy to even know what was going on. This pattern of sin dragged its way into the Wednesdays and the Thursday nights. The next year and a half, football consumed my life. It was what I was about. It was who I was known as. Um, I was consumed with aspirations of being a star, a captain, a, a guy on the team who people knew, a guy on, on campus who people knew. That was what I cared about. I was popular and I had more attention than I wanted. It really hit me hard at those times that... Uh, what people say when they say, I'm just living the dream. Well, that was me. I was just living the dream. You ever hear people say that? And you realize when they say that, they're absolutely miserable most of the time when they say that. Just living the dream. Well, that's what I was doing. Just living the dream. Right? I had everything that I wanted. I had the popularity, the football, the whatever I wanted. But I was miserable. Often I feel like testimonies like this are a chance for people to stand up and say how radically Christ has changed their life. And I think that's a good thing. But let me spare you some of the gory details. I'm not going to spell out everything that happened in my life over the next few years. Um, I don't want to steal and I don't want to distract from what God's done, but I also don't feel like it's necessary for me to elaborate and say, hey, here's everything I went through. Uh, One of my buddies probably summed it up best when I was reflecting with him and and praying with him and talking with him. He said, boy, the Lord's really done a work in your life, hasn't he? (laughs) And he's right. He has. Absolutely. Absolutely he's done a work in my life. But... He hasn't just done a work in my life. I wouldn't dare say all of you guys, but no matter where you came from, no matter what your pattern of sin looked like before and after, if you're saved, he's done a work in your life. I hope you realize the miracle in my testimony isn't that I tried to work hard and get away from all this. I did. I tried to get away from that. I gave up drinking for, for months at a time, and then I ran back into it. The miracle is that Christ saved me, that he regenerated me, that he made me a new person. I think often of Colossians 1.13, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. 
Let's take a couple more steps back. Go back to high school, where some of you just left from. I was and am the class clown in high school, but I was regarded by many in my town as the all-American kid. Just, I was, and, and I was one who rarely, rarely got in trouble. My mom helped lead the youth group. I was active in church. Everyone, including myself, thought I had it all figured out, just like some of you guys do, huh? think you have it all figured out. No one saw the danger coming in my life, certainly not me and not my parents. Go younger. Take more steps back. I was in middle school. I was just as miserable as the rest of you guys and were in middle school, so we'll skip over that part. <laughs> Go back to elementary and childhood. I was raised on a ranch in the middle of the Highwood Mountains. Beautiful place, a little slice of paradise. I raised my hand at a vacation Bible school when I was about six years old because my friend said he was going to. I had no idea what sin was. I had no idea what Jesus meant when he said in Mark 1.15, he comes on the scene, right? Blasts on the scene in, in uh, Mark 1.15 and says, The time is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe the good news. All I knew was, hey, sign me up for that. I want some of that. Guess how much impact that had on my life? Zero. And it showed itself, didn't it, over my middle school, over my high school, and into my college years. Now, there was bright spots in there. There was people that came alongside of me and said, Tanner, walk like Christ is walking. But I didn't have the power to do that. I really don't believe I did because I was never saved in the first place. Are you still tracking with me? Okay, now the question remains. I didn't know what that was then, Mark 1.15. But the question is tonight for you, do you know what that means? Do you know what Jesus says when he says, The time is at hand, the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe the good news. Some of you guys have heard it all your lives. Some of you Bible college kids need to get shaken around a little bit. Wake up and say, this is, this is true. Repent and believe the good news, not just once. And some of you MSU kids, it's the same way. And I hope, I pray this year as we go through life as Jesus walked that you will, that you'll see that this is serious business. And there is more joy in walking like Christ walked than there could ever possibly been in your entire life. But by the same token, this isn't messing around. And I pray that you guys would begin to see that Friday nights is not separate from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. See, there'll be no way for us to tell on Friday nights really how you guys are doing. I wish there was, but when we come down and go down and chat downstairs, I love that time. But I really don't know how you guys are doing because it's easy to come here on Friday nights and treat this like church, isn't it? But MBC kids, MSU kids, students who are at a different college, people who aren't in college, people who are working, will you take this seriously this year? Monday through Thursday, will this, will this radiate in your life? Will this verse, 1 John 2, 6, go again and again? I will walk as Christ walked. Why? Not because I have to, but because I get to. Because the love of Christ compels me, Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5. Let me get back on track. Um, what really happens at conversion? And when was I saved? I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know, to be honest. Probably around the time I started reading my Bible and, and found out what sin was. Jesus said, you're not going to heaven unless you're born again. You guys know that, right? John 3.3. 3. This I do know. I've been born again. I don't know when it was, but I do know that I've been born again. But in your natural state, you're not going anywhere but hell. That's the truth, Right? Andy talked about, that's how it is. Psalms 51, I was born in, in sin, my mother conceived me. Let me give you a sampling of what Scripture says about life pre-conversion. Solomon said, there is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. 
Paul said, You're foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending your life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. David says, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt, they have committed abominable deeds, and there is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there is any who understand, any who seek God. What's it say? They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who did good, not even one. Not, and if you choose not to believe any of this, it's probably because, like Jeremiah said, your heart is deceitfully wicked and you know it not. I don't want to believe this and neither do you. But you've been taught it over and over again. So let it sink in for a minute. Spurgeon said that it is impossible for me to slander human nature. It's impossible for me to go over the edge here. You think, Come on, Tanner, back up a little bit. It's not that. No, it is. And it's impo- I, I should go farther. It's impossible for me to, to slander it. I wish some of you for an instant, especially you ones from MSU um, coming up here for the first time tonight, could feel the weight and the terror and the hideousness of your sin. And even for a moment, see the wrath of God revealed against it. That sin and righteous anger, and many of you would cry out. You'd want to hide, just like I did. Just like I did. I want you to see that just for an instant, and then I would love it. I would long if you could read what Isaiah said when he said, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord. And he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Let me read it one more time. Let the wicked forsake his way. Who's that? You and me, right? And let the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I love that the Spirit inspired Isaiah to put abundantly in there. Because if he didn't abundantly pardon me, if he didn't over and above pardon me, I would have sin stacked up so high you couldn't even see it. My life was steeped in sin, and so has yours been in the past. And really, in some ways, still is. But he will abundantly pardon should you choose to repent and believe on Christ. Right? That's the answer. I know I've come at you a little bit hard and sharp, especially for not knowing me very well. But like I said, again, I can say what I want tonight, just this one night. Let me read you something from John Owen. We can begin each day with a deep, deeply encouraging realization. I'm accepted by God, not on the basis of personal performance, but on the basis of infinitely perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's what he's done for me. He has pardoned my sin, and even above that, counted me as righteous. He didn't just wipe away my sin. He counted me as righteous. It wasn't enough just that my sin's forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made Christ, he made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in Christ, we could become the righteousness of God. So if you're saved, he's really done a work in your life too, right? He has. Praise God that he has abundantly pardoned you, if he has. And as you know, the miracle and the testimony isn't Tanner. It's really not. Any of you who have spent any time around me know that, okay? It is Christ And the testimony is that Christ can take a wretch like me and change me into a redeemed man and make me new. Behold, old things have passed away and new things have come. Many things are still imperfect in me. Many, many things. But I am beginning to look more like Christ. Why? Because Christ is in me and because he's working 
His Spirit lives in me. I don't want you to leave tonight thinking about how rotten Tanner's life was before and now how well it's going after. No, I'd rather you leave either one, listen, either one thinking about the miraculous thing that Christ has done in your life and appreciate the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection so much more that it would be new and fresh to you guys. I long, that is my prayer for many of you. I said earlier that you would be shaken up, that someone, something, the Spirit of God would shake you up enough to go, I have been saved, I have been bought, this is fresh, this is beautiful as the day it happened. David says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. That's my prayer for you. You would fall in love with Christ and the gospel so much more and be so much more drawn to Christ over the course of this year that you would emanate Christ. Or two, realize, wow, Christ hasn't done a work of regeneration in me. He hasn't saved me. And I'm not any different than the rest of the world. I don't look any different. I don't smell any different. I don't talk any different. I don't dress any different. I don't walk any different. Now, if you are saved, if you have repented and believe, if you've been born again, not just of a natural birth, but of born of the Spirit, John 3.3, 3, right? If you're a child of Christ, especially this year, I pray and I challenge you to live in the shadow of the Christ as we examine Christ's life. As Andy teaches, and I teach him stuff on Christ, I pray that you would want, that you would yearn to conform your life to Christ. You'd go, oh, I'd, I want to be more like him. I just, I long to be more like Christ. Not because I have to, not because this is just another event in your week. Some of you guys think you should be getting credits for doing this. <laughs> Don't you? You shouldn't. This is a, I pray that this would be a joy for you. That you would come here and go, man, I want to be, now I know how to be more like Christ. Now I can be more like Christ. Okay, let me close out with this. Um, on the other hand, some of you don't need to get sanctified. You need to get saved. Okay? This challenge, 1 John 2, 6, if you're not a Christian, this isn't for you. You won't walk as Christ walked because you can't, because you haven't been born again. Does that make sense? You don't have the power to do this. So what do you have to do first? You need to get saved. Okay? Not sanctified, but saved. Some of you guys, this is probably going to be the first and last time you come tonight. So sort this out. Okay? Make this right. Repent and believe. Listen to the words of God as urgency. In the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of my salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Guys, I want that you would feel some of this urgency. I do. And I can't inflict it. I wish I could. I wish somehow I could just give you urgency, but I can't. But I pray that if you're not saved, that the Spirit would do His convicting work in you and He would show you His sin. Some of those things they talked about, Daniel, Isaiah, the Holy Spirit, through those men, that you'd be able to see your sin, the hideousness of it, and see that Christ can abundantly pardon that. Abundantly. He can make you righteous. Give you his righteousness. I'll read you one thing as I close. I want there not to be a separation between tonight and the rest of the week. I know I already mentioned that. But sometimes as we get together and as we sing at people's house, as we pray, as we talk afterwards, I, I, I wish that this would just be an organized thing in the midst of, of everything else that is Christ that is not maybe quite as organized. That we would, that we would talk about Christ, that we'd pray. I'm not saying every word out of your, out of your mouth would be, has to be Christ. I don't think it would be bad if it was, but it doesn't have to be. Okay? But on those Friday nights, there's nothing I would rather do than be with you guys tonight and talk about this. I really mean that. I really do. And here's why. Psalms 27 Verse 4, this is my, gosh, I feel like this is my verse. No one else can have this. 
That's not true. But I love this verse, and I want that you guys would, would get a glimpse of this and that you would feel this and see where I'm going with this. One thing that I've asked from the Lord. Let me start over. One thing, one thing that I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. That you would long just to be with the Lord on Friday nights, on Thursday mornings, on Tuesday afternoons. That this would be the longing and the cry of your heart. And as we learn more about Christ this year, as Andy's a tremendous teacher, as he teaches us more about Christ, as I um, talk about Christ too, that we would long to be more like him. That we would long to meditate all the days of my life just to be around the Lord, just to see him. Let me pray and then I'll close with some announcements. Lord, thank you that you are good, that you're a kind Father to us. Lord, I know that if it were not for your kindness, God, that you would have crushed me long ago on that first day I got down to Bozeman and hadn't even moved into North Hedges. Lord, I deserve to be smothered. And even long before that, just like everyone else here, Lord, no matter where we're going to school, no matter if we're going to school, deserve to be crushed under your perfect wrath. But thank you, Father, that you crushed your son instead and that you were pleased to crush him. God, and that you've made a way for me, that you've made a way for us through Christ, through the blood, that there was and that there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood and that you've made a way, that you've shed your blood, the blood of the new covenant shed for many for the remission of sins. God, would we grow in this Christ this year? Would we long to be more like Christ in humility and servanthood and love and devotion and prayer? As we study him, Lord, would we long to meditate on you and just think thoughts of you all around the clock, Lord? Not because we have to, but because we get to. Lord, even though we do have to, I pray that we'd be compelled by love, that we'd be compelled, constrained by the pleasure from you, that your smile would be enough for us, God. I thank you, Lord, just for the chance to visit tonight, just for the chance to to talk about you. What a blessing it is, Father. And to you be the glory forever and ever. Amen.